Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If this is your first time checking out our show, you're in for a treat. Each episode, we'll get our hands dirty with some people who work behind the scenes of law firms and uncover their stories and untold secrets. My name's Rob Joyner. I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Centerbase. And I'm Amanda Copeless. I'm the Executive Director for the Central Florida-based law firm of Sheffield, Lohman & Wilson. If you've been listening so far, you know a few things about me. I'm blunt. I say what comes to my mind, and I'm willing to ask the tough questions. But on this episode, I'm going to be outnumbered. We are flipping the script and are interviewing two powerhouses of the legal tech industry. Mike West is the vice president of small and mid-sized businesses at NetDocuments, and Melissa Chambers is the vice president of enterprise solutions at LawPay, which is basically just a fancy way to say salespeople. Coupled with Rob, these three have me outnumbered today. So please pray for me. Or better yet, pray for them. Let the fun begin. Mike and Melissa, thank you both so much for joining us today. Rob, would you like to start by introducing Melissa? So one of our guests today, Melissa Chambers, she's the Vice President of Enterprise Solutions at LawPay, a payment platform specifically for the legal industry. If you don't know LawPay, you're living under a rock because it will help you get paid faster. <laughs> That's actually a really good way of saying it. <laughs> and they work with, it feels like every law firm in the country. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know LawPay, go check it out. <laughs> Melissa joined LawPay back in 2009 and has been involved with the ALA for over nine years now. Uh, Melissa, what, uh, what uh, group are you a part of in the ALA? Aren't you on one of the boards? I, I'm, out, I'm actually on the PDAC. Co okay. um, committee. You will so. need to tell everybody what that stands for, including me. <laughs> what is the Professional Development Advisory Committee for ALA? Okay. So we, we really work with um, the education that we provide to the ALA members and bringing that education to the members at conferences um, all over the United States, whether it's a regional conference or the annual conference, and also with all the education that you see digitally um, with ALA. Oh, wow. That's like awesome. in, like in bold, like in bold bites. Okay. Which is a week. You just taught Amanda later. something new about the ALA. <laughs> yeah. I'm here okay. for you, Amanda. Okay. I'll keep going. Listen, I'll keep going. I know what it is, Rob. I was just trying to like be polite and let her explain it without being all knowing. So, so Melissa has been married for 27 years to her husband, Alex. Melissa has three children, uh, Jack, who's in his third year of law school at the university of Georgia. Charlie, who just accepted a job with KPMG, congratulations. Thank and you. Maggie, who is going into her sophomore year at Ole Miss. Wow, underperformers uh, all the way around. <laughs> I know. When she talks about her kids, it's like, okay. okay. <laughs> and, and finally, here's one of my favorite uh, facts about Melissa that I just recently learned. Uh, she was a professional ballerina and lived in New York City before attending college at Ole Miss. How many years were you a ballerina? Well, I, my parents started shipping me off at age 11 um, <laughs> to dance um, with Dallas Ballet, um, but I lived in New York a little over a year. So um, I decided it was not the life for me, um, and my father told me to go to college and um, get 
um, major in something where I would get a J-O-B. And somehow, <laughs> somehow I went from a ballerina to an accountant. Oh. I mean, you could not go more opposite ends of the spectrum, could you? And so Melissa, where that, is your accent from? I grew up in Mississippi in a small town, um, Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis Presley is what we're known for. There you go. (laughs) So that is where I grew up. And after getting my accounting degree, I moved um, right to Atlanta where I met my husband. So Awesome. All right. So I'm going to introduce Mike. Uh, Mike West is the VP of Sales for small and medium law firms for net documents. And it is a platform that basically helps law firms manage all of the millions of pieces of paper digitally through a cloud-based platform. And Mike, you can tell me if I said any of that incorrectly. No, Uh, you absolutely nailed it, Amanda. Thank you. Okay, good. Um, So you've been at NetDocuments since 2019. So you're new to the one wonderful, fascinating world of working with lawyers. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So you went to, Mike went to Brigham Young University and you've really, your whole career has been in sales and you've done technology solutions for financial services, medical, and again, now legal. And you have been married for five years and yet somehow have six kids. And (laughs) (laughs) if you're all trying to do the math on that, it's because... (laughs) Don't try to do the math. It doesn't work (laughs) for many reasons. (laughs) And somehow at your young age, you're also about to be a grandfather for the first time. Correct. Correct. Thank you. Very excited about that. It's awesome. In your personal life, you love fishing fly fishing, um, skiing, (laughs) mountain biking, traveling, and you're really good at playing really bad golf, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite pastime. It usually turns into a beer drinking fest. So that's about how it goes. (laughs) So this is a really interesting episode because our other episodes have been interviewing people who are in the business of law firm operations in the firm side. So this is the first time we've had two guests who are on the outside looking in. And I think you guys have interesting perspectives and I'm really excited to hear um, some of the things you have to say. I'm a little nervous because I'm very outnumbered with all of you salespeople and you'll have to just accept me calling you that in our first episode, Rob and I delved into how much I hate salespeople. So I'm going to try to be really nice and kind. Yet you work with all of us, Melissa. I know. You work I know. With well, that's companies. that's, but that's I mean, the, Amanda, is the not good a Melissa. Thing. That's no. That yeah. is the good thing. All, I do use all three of these services, so none of you can sell to me today. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't be too mean to us because you have to work with us. Oh <laughs> man, that's a good point. Oh, I need to go back and <laughs> let me review my notes for just a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buckle in. That's how I'm going to do this. Yeah, you should just, just you know, put on a bright, shiny face and we can do this. So, Rob, can I jump in and start asking some of the questions or do you have? Sure. Okay, great. So, one of the things we said in our first episode was that all law firms tell you that they are unique and that they do something a way that no other law firms do. 
So the first question to both Mike and Melissa is, are all law firms indeed unique? I would say absolutely yes. Really? Why why would you say that? Well, I mean, all law firms have, well, when you say unique, are you talking about the different practices within the law firms? Are you talking about the people? Are you talking about how they run their back office? That's kind of an open-ended question. When you, when you call into an, a law firm, a lot of the time, or when you're talking to somebody, they'll tell you, hey, we're just so different. We're different <laughs> than everybody else out there. Yet, I always make a joke because they talk about how different they are, how they differentiate themselves, but then they mm-hmm. want you to get them a reference of somebody like them. True. That is true. Um, well, I do think that, you know, from the administrative side of it, I do find, at least in my business, that... Most law firms very much want to make their clients happy, okay, right? So they're they're client-centered, which I do think is very important. But maybe when I say unique, their processes tend to be different from operationally. So, Rob, when you say, oh, give me a reference, I find it interesting that um, it's important to them to want that reference, but yet say they do things differently. They kind of want to do what the other person's doing, but Mm -hmm. not. And they don't, (laughs) you know? Yes. And they don't want to really expand on what they're doing differently either, um, necessarily. That's an interesting question, because I think you can look at it from so many different angles. So, Mike, what do you think about that? I think it's an interesting question as well. And I, I think especially dealing with small and medium-sized law firms, I think, you know, people do things, you know, very similar in that they're practicing law, but at the end of the day, they, they're like, um, like was suggested is they do, they do things different from a process standpoint. Mm-hmm. They make decisions differently. Yeah. Um, the personalities are obviously very different. And I've always found that, you know, it's when they say they're unique, I always want to know why, Yeah. you know, and, exactly. And Asking them and understanding what, from their perspective, makes them unique, helps me understand if if our product's a fit and how it would be a fit. And so I think asking those questions up front and really understanding, you know, from their perspective um, is super important. You know, it's it's interesting when you talk about the decision-making piece of it. That is one of the things that I find unique about each law firm. And whether it's, you know, the small firm or the large firm, you have some firms that will leave things completely up to um, the people that are running the firm, meaning doing the, the business of law. And then you have some firms that everything has to go through committee. You find executive directors or CFOs or COOs having to do these full-on presentations every time they bring on, you know, a new vendor. I want to dive into that for in just a second. But one thing, you know, I want to add to it as well. For the legal administrators listening to us mm-hmm. on this podcast, mm-hmm. as Mike and Melissa have mentioned, the more you can tell us about your processes, the more you can tell our teams about your pain points. You know, sometimes as we've alluded to, you you try to hold that in. And instead of holding that in, share it with us because what we're trying to do is help you. And the more we understand, the more we can honestly tell you, hey, this is a good fit for you. Hey, this isn't a good fit for you. Or sometimes, you know, I've had other vendors actually send people to me and I've sent them to other vendors, some of my competitors, because at the end of the day, we want to help you guys make the right decision. It doesn't help us if you're not a good fit and we bring you on board because you're going to be an unhappy customer and, and, and it's just not a good partnership. 
No, no one wants an unhappy client. <laughs> you know, honestly, Amanda, though, but I don't want to end up on some listserv seeing a bunch of complaints about law pay. I would rather, you know, when you sign up with us, you don't sign a contract. So I would rather you leave than be unhappy. Right, we don't want yeah. to lock people in. And you'd be surprised how many people don't want to divulge too much. You know, they mm -hmm. want you to really, you present to me versus them telling us. You know, so it would and, help. And I think that's something that Mike, you can probably speak to too, is since you're actually managing the team, you know, it's easier for us to, to help come up with the best solution, or maybe there's a promotion or there's, there's something that we can do to make it fit better for you. The more we know about your firm and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. I think, I think my goal and, and what I'm always constantly teaching the, the people that I work with is we want to be aligned with the, the firms that are evaluating our software. So mm -hmm. we want to be aligned with their timelines. We want to be aligned with their goals and objectives. And look, at the end of the day, I think we all sell products that can be, you know, they can be somewhat complicated. And so, you know, if we go in and don't understand, and, you know, what it is they're specifically looking for, you know, the more information we can gather up front, the better that we can, you know, present the solution and find out if it's actually going to be a good fit or not. Because again, as you guys mentioned, nobody wants an unhappy client. And, you know, we want to represent ourselves in a, in a way that's, you know, congruent with what we do and, and it's going to work for them. And so the more information we can understand up front to be aligned with your goals and objectives, it's, it's really super helpful. I think it's interesting because from my standpoint, I hear what you are all saying that you want from us, but for me, I need to give you as little time as possible, right? And so finding that balance of, I know that it, you would be more successful if I talked to you for an hour and told you about my processes, but I don't have an hour, right? So mm -hmm. sure. what I need you to do is pull out but your why, crystal Amanda? ball, pull out no, your crystal but ball. why? What? But why? why don't I'm going to come back to you on that. Why one. don't, why don't I have you have an hour if you're trying to figure out a solution to help the firm? Because I'm trying to figure out 400 solutions in any one given day. And so if you told me, okay, Amanda, your job today is to find a new document management system. And that's all I want you to do. Well, great. Then I'll take four days and I will interview every single person for two hours. And I won't even look at my email. But that's not that's not the way our calendars work. That's not the way our job works. Mm -hmm. I have 15 to 20 minute increments. So what is your advice to other people entering this market? And Mike, you haven't been in it as long, but Melissa, you have. How do you mm -hmm. break through? And I will admittedly say that even though Melissa offers a solution that I knew was going to be better for our firm, that was going <laughs> to cost us less, it wouldn't be hard to implement. She still had to harass me for a full year. To get oh, me and going. I did. <laughs> and I did. I am like I am I am like a dog with a bone. <laughs> so I how many voicemails do I have that say, Amanda, this is Melissa from Law Pay? Delete. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I, mean, I love it. Listen, I, hunt, I, I literally we were on the Texas statewide cruise. I still call that the COVID oh, cruise. Yes, no, that's the floating that's, Walmart cruise. Well, yeah, the floating Walmart cruise. It was <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, I my whole goal was to hunt Amanda down. 
and I did. I interrupted the dinner. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go straight to the casino and just avoid eating entirely because I know that's where Melissa is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But the question is, Melissa, how do you break through? my? And that's a good lesson maybe for Mike to learn too. How do you get time with me? What do you do? Having been involved with ALA as long as I have been, it is a relationship business. And I think that you do have to build those relationships a lot of times to break through, right? Um, so I have learned being in this business, this is not a quick sell. It's never going to be because like you said, Amanda, you are all so busy um, and you've got you know, 400 things on your list that you have to get done. So to me, the most efficient thing is to always upfront, present the product, ask those questions in an email and pray that you get to it. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, then I begin the harassment process. um, (laughs) But, um, you know, I think a lot of the breakthrough pieces happen at at events that mm-hmm. that we have your time where you are focused on things like that, like an ALA event. That's right. why I think in-person events are so important. Right. And for members to take the time to go to those events where they do have that focused time to work on things like that and find those solutions and bring them back to the firms. When you do see these events happening, I think it's important to try to attend in person and not just ALA, anything that puts you in front of vendors. And I would say to administrators, have a list before you go to those events of, okay, these are the three things that I need to look at when I walk in that expo hall. Well, I was going to say one thing that we've done and what I'd recommend to some administrators, ask if they have some videos on hand. So if you don't have time to sit through a demo, if you don't have time to spend a lot of time looking at the product, ask if they have videos. We've done that, you know, and we're going to talk about this later on, but we find it really helpful when a firm administrator is trying to get a product in front of the partners to actually present a video instead of trying to get everybody in a room. And a lot of the time, you know, I know NetDocs, LawPay, we're all willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Mike, what about you guys? What have you all done that's worked in, in helping with firm administrators that don't necessarily have a lot of time to spend. Yeah. Through. How do you break yeah, I, through the noise? Great question. And I think it's a little bit unique. I mean, with what we do, at least what I manage here, we're managing the smaller and medium sized law firms. And so we do go out to events and, and foster and build those relationships. But a lot of what mm-hmm. we do is considered inside sales where we're in the mm-hmm. office and we're doing virtual presentations. And so a lot of times we don't have those opportunities to connect personally. And so, you know, I think for, for me, what's always worked and what I'm always training my, my representatives to do is first and foremost, you know, be respectful of the time, you know, ask if, yeah. you know, if we're calling you out of the blue, if you don't have, you know, five minutes to talk then, then schedule time to where you can spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and asking questions. The other thing is, is it's important to me that we're adding value to the conversations. You know, when we're asking you questions, making sure they're relevant, they're not generic and, you know, that we're offering, you know, things to understand what's going on in your firm and truly understanding it. And look, at at the end of the day too, you know, when we do a product demonstration, those demonstrations can take anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. And and, and, and honestly, in that time, you know, if, if we don't have information up front, it's going to be a generic, 
you know, yeah. really bad presentation. And so right. I always preface that with, hey, we want if you're going to spend an hour, hour and a half with me, let's do 15 minutes to 20 minutes of prep time and really understand what you guys want to see and understand. And that really resonates with a lot of people and, you know, opens up the door to, to you know, better information and questions. Amanda, you would be surprised how many firm administrators don't want to do that. Oh, I that doesn't surprise me at all. You know? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> when you guys are talking about an hour-long demo, like heat is rising to my chin. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. all I can see and think about are the number of email notifications are going to pop up during that hour. Mm-hmm. And it's it's making me a little itchy. So I appreciate. Yeah. And, and listen, when I went out two years ago now to review software, I did make that a priority. I talked to every software company on the market. I gave every single one of them an hour. So I knew that was going to take, but it still doesn't make me any less itchy that I need to give you that much time. It absolutely makes you itchy. But I think again, (laughs) but at the end of the day too, I think if you can, if you can connect with someone and you can show that, Hey, I'm a professional, I understand. And what I have to offer is really going to help you. um, Mm -hmm. If that can be communicated, I I find that people tend to open up and are willing to spend the time. I may schedule a 20 minute conversation. And before you know it, 30 to 45 minutes, almost an hour has passed by. Exactly. What I would also say is if if I go into a demonstration and I haven't had that opportunity to connect and ask questions, I'm going to spend the first, you know, 10 minutes asking questions about processes and throughout the demo just so that I can understand what's going on there and that what I'm presenting is relevant, but also so I can understand your situation. Okay, guys. So let me ask you this. Weigh in on an argument Rob and I have on a regular and ongoing basis. How? (laughs) And it's not gender or not. You should get a Peloton because the answer is not. Yeah, I'm going through my head. Which of our ongoing arguments are you talking about? I'm getting nervous. This could literally be any of the ones, right? Um, Okay. Okay. Is cold calling effective to law firm managers? Ooh. Who? That's a great question. Um, wow. I, in my opinion, it's you know when when you're in sales, cold calling is one of those things that you know you you just have to do and and get yeah. good at. Is it the is it the most effective method? Absolutely not. Not in my. I would opinion. agree with Mike. It is. Uh oh, Rob, you're getting outnumbered. No, I'm not. I, As I, Mike I said, it's something that you just kind of have to do. You do you have to do it. It is part of it. It absolutely is part of it. Um, but do I think it is the most effective way to sell to law firms? No. I've been told that where you get the most success is by starting out your call by saying, we support the Association of Legal Administrators. Can we have a few minutes of your time? Do you find that to be true? I don't, I, I haven't used that. Uh, I haven't either. Tactic. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty much Great. Every administrator out there is about to get a call from you two saying that exact same line. Hey, thank you for the insight, You're though. We really good. Good luck. We wish- adding that to my repertoire now. I just, I just wrote that down. That's I wish one. you the best in your future endeavors. Okay. Thank you for that tidbit, Amanda. 
I mean, for us at the end of the day, I mean, you know, getting on Google or getting a phone book and calling into a list. I mean, a phone we do have book. A, Wait a minute. A what? <laughs> look, I'm, I'm old. I know. They're I, digital I, these days. I, I, they're not. I still have the white pages under my desk. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Mike. <laughs> oh, wow. But but at the end of the day, like, you know, we, we do have a team that does, you know, cold calling and some cold outreach and they, they do a really good job. But, you know, for my account executives, you know, I, I think it's it's better use of their time to work with our integration partners or IT mm -hmm. partners, that type of I thing agree. where, you know, we're, we're working together to talk about all the people they're working with. I mean, you can cold call into a law firm specific IT organization that has 40 clients, get them interested in our partner program. And all of a sudden, instead of you know, calling one person, you made one phone call and now you have access to more. Um, right. and, that, and that tends to work out better anyway. And so that's kind of our, our method of, of reach out. And our, we have the same thing. We have a team that, that does do some cold calling, but I will say that the cold calling that's done is mostly to our smaller firms. Um, mm -hmm. We tend to get more traction um, when you're cold calling a smaller firm. You, the larger firms that have those gatekeepers that answer the phone, it's hard to get by. You know, Amanda has. One. I have an amazing gatekeeper. I'd like to reach out. I know out for her. that. <laughs> I know that. I would. I would love that opportunity. You should. Try. Amanda, how do you get past her? Um, you cannot. You cannot get past uh. Lisa. She is a dynamo. She is an expert at this. And I tell you, I was here for a full year, and I. You know, it didn't even occur to me that I never got sales calls until one day I got three during the hours of 12 to one. That is when Lisa goes to lunch. And it occurred to me, the reason I don't get any sales calls is because she is shooting them down. They're calling from 12 to one when she's at lunch. I don't know if it's a coincidence or if people have figured it out, but, you know, she asked them, Does, is she expecting your call? Does she know what this is regarding? And I'll tell oh, you, yes. if you lie to her about it, and then I find out you lied to her about it, it game's over, right? Because you can't lie to sweet Lisa. She's the best. I've seen some of those emails where Amanda put salespeople on blast. Oh, I don't mean to do that. I've seen well, so. I, I, can, I can assure you that 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 she um, Lisa is doing her job. <laughs> Uh, Amanda, secretly, you're having a lot of fun talking about sales. I can just tell. Uh, I have a massive amount of respect for what all three of you do for a living. It is cannot be easy dealing with people like me. I mean, I know how difficult I am. So I cannot imagine having a customer base of thousands of me. Like that makes me itchy again. <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep cortisone cream in your door, Amanda. Yeah, yeah. I know you're you're pretty you're pretty itchy. Yeah, Amanda. what I'm <laughs> this is to like a very technically medical problem that I might need to seek help on. <laughs> okay, so in defense of myself, I do love to negotiate, right? And I love mm -hmm. to 
put a little fire under. And I actually have this magical percentage, which I'm not going to share in my head, that when I get a contract, I have a magical number that I know I can normally negotiate the price down. And I've taught this to people who work for me. Don't ever accept the first number that comes across. Always ask for this X percentage to be reduced off your contract. And it's a little different for law pay, I know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. because your pricing structure is a little different. So this doesn't necessarily apply right. to you. But right. do you guys really build in contracts with special magical numbers that we could negotiate and just don't? You have to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be upfront with it. I mean, you, we have our list price and there's certain firms that depending on size or things of that nature, we don't offer you know discounts below list. Yeah, there's definitely times where we'll offer discounts below list and we'll also offer, you know, incentives during certain times of the year. If we're trying to hit the mm-hmm. end of the quarter or the end of the year, those are magical times to buy because every software company generally offers incentives around those times. And so, yeah, there's there's absolutely room to negotiate, at least with net documents. I mean, but that being said, I'm also pretty upfront in my negotiations and that, you know, I, I don't like to go back and forth four or five times. It's generally like, okay, look, this is our list price. This is what we're going to offer you. There'll be a little bit of discussion. And then usually the next time it's it's kind of like, look, this is my best and final. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully this works out for you and you've seen the value at this point. And is there is there room for negotiation after that? Very little. I, I like to just be upfront and, right. and not really mess around. Well, because if you start too high and then you come down, it seems very disingenuous that you weren't trying Absolutely. hard enough the first time 100%. around, right? I People- think it goes back to having that conversation at the beginning. Yep. I agree. Like if you're willing, if you, the administrator or the law firm is willing to have a conversation with us and explain your situation, mm-hmm. we can get creative. And it doesn't always mean discounting deeper. It might just be moving different things around and Absolutely. shifting numbers and, and, and doing different things there. So again, I would go back to being open and honest and telling us as much as you can up front because we're going to be able to help you more. Okay. So for administrators who don't get secret joy out of holding your feet to the fire, what are some (laughs) negotiating tips you would give us to negotiate with you? And I I know you're saying be honest, but what else? Buy at the right time of the year? (laughs) Well, with, with, with with law pay, I mean, we do offer promotions throughout the year, but you know, we're pretty much beholden to the credit card brands and, and they set the wholesale pricing for us. So it's a little different with law pay. Um, we do have some, some pricing incentives based on volume, but we're pretty much set on what our pricing is. And we're very transparent about that up front. So with us, you know, there's not a lot of negotiation that goes goes into our product. And you know that, Amanda, because because yeah. you use it. Right. Um, you know, and, but I will say with us, you know, as far as, as, as law pay is concerned, we are constantly adding features based on customer feedback and we don't charge for those things. So for us, we're hoping that our customers, and it's my job as a salesperson, to show the value of our product to the firm beyond just pricing, you know, and hopefully improve the automation and the processes within the firm. Mike, so I have a question for you. Sure. Rob and I talked about this also on our first episode about how notoriously slow law firms are to adopt new technology. Uh And (laughs) and I related the story to him that I remember 
the exact conference room table I was sitting at 15 years ago when somebody walked in and said, well, we want to put all your documents in the cloud. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I said, number one, I don't know what the F the cloud is. And number there two, you you're not taking my documents out of these filing <laughs> cabinets. That, that was impressive, Amanda. <laughs> he did send me a text that showing that impressive. sticky note. <laughs> don't cut. Okay, I said F, you guys. So I remember thinking, what in the holy hell is a cloud? Why would I want to give you all of my documents? Aren't they more secure in this tiny little closet back in the back in an office that could burn down at any minute or get hit by a hurricane? Like, obviously, they're better in my filing cabinet than off in some major magical mystical cloud. So I, I say all this with the fullest sarcasm in general, and I'm trying not to be condescending, but I'm relating sure. a personal story, right? So we are slow to a to adopt technology. How do you break through to that, Mike? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, and what's interesting is it, before getting into legal, I was in medical software. And when I joined that company, it was, I don't know, 12 years ago and, and physicians offices were very slow to adopt technology. And then some things happened and it was just a big wave. And when, you know, one of the things that, that interested me in, in that documents was that, yes, it, it seems like law firms have been slow to that curve. But what we've we've seen recently, especially with, with the, you know, what happened with COVID, the need to to be in the cloud and have anywhere, anytime access, it really became a need when everybody had to go work from home. Oh, yeah. I, mean, we had st I actually had a story from a prospect where they had somebody that was working for him. They had to ship him four <laughs> filing cabinets. Oh, my God. What? I've got stories like that. Yeah, like, literally. And so, you know, it, it, I think what happened last year has been a big, uh, it's been a big catalyst for at least for us and, and legal technology in general. A lot of it is just educating and talking through it. And we, mm -hmm. we already know a lot of the pain points if you don't have technology. And so when you talk through those with people and if it resonates and then you just say, look, let, let me at least show you the solution. It'll either be a fit for you or it won't. And, you know, they can make the decision from there. I was going to say, I have a story about um, a firm that I was talking to that they were still, do you remember the yellow inner office envelopes? Oh, do yeah, remember absolutely. Those? Where absolutely. you would sign, you would sign them when they got in your inbox. Yeah, and then you tie they, the red ribbon around yes, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. around it and seal it. They were still doing that pre-COVID. They were sending things to partners in those envelopes and then COVID hit and all of a sudden things started falling apart and it, it really, COVID I do think has forced many law firms to look at technology, mm -hmm. technology when otherwise they would not. And it, it really has forced the automation, I believe, within the industry. As Mike said, it's it's so important, I feel like, when you're talking to people and when you're, we're dealing with adopting technology, that you talk in layman's terms, that right. you don't yes, confuse absolutely. them. And I've been on calls to see when people, especially when you get some of these IT people on a, a demo, <laughs> I mean, seriously, let my IT people talk to your IT people. I, I don't want to confuse um, the sales process. I want to educate you about the technology, but I don't want to confuse it. And I, I think sometimes you have to be careful not to go down that rabbit hole. Right. right. Um, you have to make sure that when you're dealing with with technology, that you've got the, the two people or the three people or whomever within the firm, that you've got the right people talking. So we're not wasting your time. 
and you wouldn't be very cognitive of the fact that not everyone understands what you're talking about, yeah. you know, because, yeah. because there definitely is a learning curve there. I agree. So one question I have for you guys, do you have any tips for the administrators? You know, sometimes we see this at, at, at Centerbase, so I'm selfishly, you know, learning as well. Do you have any tips for the administrators out there that are trying to pitch new technology to the partners? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's I know a, it's a big question. That, that, that is a big question. That's I mean, a huge one. <laughs> you know, what I find with a lot of the administrators that I work with, sometimes they're brought the initiative and they're searching, but there's a lot of them. I mean, they, they're kind of the heartbeat of the firm and they mm-hmm. hear about the complaints and they hear about certain things they're dealing with. And so they, they're looking for better solutions and, you know, they'll come to us. And in reality, they haven't pitched it to anybody and things of that nature. And so we'll show them, they'll get excited and then they'll go and, talk to their, uh, the powers that be about it and talk about the cost and it gets shot down mm-hmm. very quickly. I think right. one thing that, one thing that's super helpful, I think, is if you get someone interested, then, you know, make sure that, you know, early in the process, trying to involve as many people in the firm that you possibly can, um, to, if nothing else, just see it. And again, at the end of yeah. the day, it'll be either be a fit for what you guys want to accomplish, or you've learned something in the process that maybe down the road you can take a look at. I think it's also important that the people that are running the the business of law, that they are given the opportunity to have a little bit of of autonomy and run the firm more efficiently. And I feel like that law firms that do allow that tend to be more efficient because there's so much more to all of this besides just price. And it's, it's, to me, it's very frustrating as a salesperson when that's yep. all that they focus on, right. you know, is, is the price. And because there's so much with all of these products that goes so far beyond that price. And I think it's important, as Mike said, get as many people involved on the buy-in at the front end to really understand what's going on so beyond that price. What can we do to improve your processes and to um, make you better at your job. Right. Because in the end, you'll end up saving money, you know? Right. Or making more money. Or making more money. If you're more efficient. If you work smarter, the goal is to work smarter. Right. And make more money. Right. But that's the goal at the same time where law firms are coming from is that we have to stop making money to start implementing a new product, right? So for every minute that an attorney is reviewing a product or the Mm -hmm. time that's lost during the implementation, those are all short-term losses, short-term financial losses. So it's very hard with your tunnel vision to see that it's the short-term investment that becomes a long-term payout. But at the same time, sometimes those payouts are uh, intangible, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're looking Mm -hmm. at the bottom line, you are making less profit because the software you're paying for now wasn't invented in 1985. And so your, your bottom line is, you know, you have lost money. And so the efficiency is harder to tell over time. And so for lawyers, and I'm, I'm telling you from my side, of this aisle, right? For us, we're very, if we're numbers driven, that's a very hard sell. So I can't imagine having to break through and convince. It's like, I always talk about 
the money you never want to spend on your house is on your roof mm-hmm. and your air conditioning system mm-hmm. because those right. just need to be there, but yep. you have to replace them on a regular basis. And when you replace your air conditioning system or your roof, you're going to see cost savings. But in the initial investment, it's money you hate to spend. So that is such a good analogy. That is a um, really good analogy. Amanda, I am writing down <laughs> another Amanda tidbit for the day. <laughs> Hang around okay. her long enough, you might learn a thing or two. Can, I mean, it might not be about law Rob, firms. Can you say Amanda. that just a little bit louder, slower? Do you want me to continue? Amanda, are you looking for a job? I think we're yeah. hiring. I mean, my goodness. I, I, I'm going to have a list called Amanda's Sales Tidbits. Oh, dear. Amanda's oh, Sales Tidbits. <laughs> But to to the point, though, I think it's, you know, it's important to have those discussions, you know, even up front, you know, before anybody purchases, I, I really try and work hard to set those expectations up front. So exactly. that there's no surprises at the end. My product's a little different because we don't have that long implementation time. It's, it's you know, you're up and running in 24 to 48 hours and get ready, set, go. So it's it's a little different. So we don't have those challenges that you have. Rob, you know, in your cell cycle, it's still the challenge of change. I would say your big challenge is, you know, almost that fear of changing the way you're getting paid. Exactly. It's change. And it's, it's adopting, it's adopting a form of payment that used to not be very common in law firms. And really in 2000, I believe it was 2010 is when credit card transactions started exceeding check writing. And as the millennials start working in law firms, they don't, they don't know what a check, listen, when my kid went off to college, I had to show him how to write a check, you know? I mean, I'm like, how can you, how can you, exactly, how can you be so smart and not know, understand the concept of a checkbook and balancing it? They're expecting electronic payments because that's what they're used to using, but Still, it's it's that challenge of change. Well, and law firms don't like change. It's not only that, but the three of you sell products that make me the most scared because you hit on such core business principles that if the implementation doesn't go well, it is mission critical, right? So you're Mm -hmm. collecting Mm -hmm. my funds, you're storing my client documents, or you're managing with my billing, which then affects my client. So if any of the three of your products fail, it's mm-hmm. mission critical, right? So exactly. So it's sure. not- on the flip side, that's why I tell you to work with all three of us because we work so well together. <laughs> what I'm, okay, listen, this is not supposed to be a sales pitch, but what I'm saying is that I'm just defending us. When we're slow to adopt technology, it is because some of those things are such mission critical that it could be detrimental to our entire business if any of those three things fail at any point in time. So that's my defense. But, um, and you know what? That's a good defense, Amanda. I completely get it because you're, you're firm, you're client centered and you want everything to go well for your clients. We are touching all those pieces that could affect the relationship with your client. And, and we're very, and any, any product that, that does, that is, that is client centered Believe me, we know that, you know, we're very, we're very aware of that. Um, the last thing that I would want to do is um, not deposit your funds in the, in your trust account and do it correctly. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. 
<laughs> well, clients it, appreciate that. The state bars right. appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. It, it, I mean, it, it, our law licenses appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> But I, but I think as, as, you know, salespeople, it's important, it's important for us to know, to know those things and understand how mission critical, you know, our mm -hmm. applications are. And, and again, setting those expectations up front of, hey, this is what you, you can expect. This is how things will be done. This is what the process looks like. But also making sure that that execution piece takes place when you implement, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, in, there's been organizations I've been in when you sell it and you're done and you're on to the next. And I don't I don't like that. Right. And, you know, I, I'm very big on, you know, with my clients when when we sell somebody, they get my cell phone, they have my email, everything right. is tied to my hip and reach out to me at any given time. I want you to be successful. And I and it's very sincere. And I, I bend over backwards for people especially when they're done and when they're implementing or if they have an issue, because that is, that's the critical, critical piece in keeping people long-term and happy. Oh, Rob knows so, that all Amanda. too well, because the only reason we're friends uh, is because he made the mistake of giving me his cell phone number after he sold me. <laughs> oh, that's no, and I, I've heard, I've heard some of your text exchange. That was bold, Rob. Yeah. That, that is, listen, I, all of my clients have my direct cell phone. Every Absolutely. single one of them. I bet they don't text you like Amanda does. Okay, wait a minute. Should we? Uh, 10, 10 p.m. Six at no. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I enjoy I, it. I have had text. I have literally answered text. I'm not kidding you. At at midnight, at one o'clock. Yep. I mean, supporting our clients is mission critical, and that's I think one of the things that makes us successful as salespeople. As if if all salespeople reacted quickly. Wouldn't, wouldn't everyone be happy? So, um, <laughs> and, and we, we wouldn't have a bad rap for and being it, salespeople, uh, right? Well, because no, no, no. I'm sorry, can't, I can't, I can't. Hey, well, I mean, seriously, sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, hold on. So, so Amanda, I want to change this for just a second. Okay. Do you have any funny stories? Or a funny story to share of working with a salesperson. Well, and it can't uh, be me. Oh yeah, it can't That's be me I, either. I've already, yes. Well, I've, I've already, never worked yeah. with Mike, so now you have all just boned me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if not, it's okay. I just wanted to. Uh, I just thought it'd well, be fun. Well, I mean, I think the problem is that sometimes I can be a little bitchy, and and I can say that word about myself when I'm getting overly sold. Right. And oh, yeah. I'll Dumb. tell you, there was a vendor when we were buying um, software recently who got me on the phone. And this kind of goes back to the cloud. We get on the phone and my IT guy is on the phone and we're evaluating software products and he is explaining the cloud. And he says to my IT person, well, IT guy, a you'll understand this, Amanda, just, you know, you won't, but he'll understand this. Oh and my gosh. I looked at my IT guy. We were on a conference call and I took a black Sharpie and just wrote right through that name because you don't know me from Adam. No. I might oh, have wow. the job title of executive director, but I am IT adjacent, right? Mm -hmm. I know enough mm -hmm. to be dangerous. And it was so patronizing. And I, I understand sometimes I can be a little bit much. My husband is a saint because he, you know, surrounds and supports me through all my uh, eccentricities. But no, that's my favorite is, is when they insult me, I just, you know, you have just given me the ammunition to now talk bad about your company for the next 10 years. 
so each of these episodes, we try not to leave without a funny ALA story. By the time I get done with ALA week, I literally have to take another week to recover. <laughs> Because, yeah. I mean, no, seriously, I am exhausted. So some clients invited me to go with them to this party. So luckily, I have, I've got a lot of really good clients that have become friends that always include me when there's, there's different parties at ALA. Then so they asked me to come to this party with them. So we go after dinner. And it, it, it by that time, it got pretty rowdy. And this particular party, they had hired not only women, but men in like these very scantily clothed <laughs> sailor suits, you know, because it's right there on. Mike, are you the, excited about ALA conferences? I'm getting more and, and more excited as I listen to these clients. My clients got two of the scantily clothed sailors to push me into a photo booth <laughs> and start taking pictures with me. And I couldn't get out because they were blocking it. And so there were all these pictures of me with these half-dressed people in a photo booth. And and seriously, I don't know where those pictures ended oh, up. Oh, I'm going to find them fighting. now. I'm going to make remember, it my mission in life. I will literally do oh my gosh, else today. I, I literally had... <laughs> had this fear that these pictures were going to get out there in the public. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where are those pictures? I mean, no telling where they ended up. They probably ended up in a garbage can somewhere, <laughs> you know, those photo booth pictures. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the next day I was like, I, I talked to several of my clients and said, where did those pictures go? I'm going to kill y'all if I find those posted anywhere. So can I just so- defend us one more time? At ALA conferences, we get a lot of great education and networking, mm-hmm. and all of these mm-hmm. events happen after hours. So for, that is true. <laughs> for managing partners that are listening, they are great for professional development. I strongly recommend them. I am everything I am today because of the resources I get from the Association of Legal Administrators. And Amanda, you always show up on time the next morning. I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that ALA people love to see each other at the annual conference. So these things that happen after hours, you know, usually start, you know, between six and seven and people really enjoy gathering and just Mm -hmm. being together. There are just a lot of good relationships that are built within that association. And so I always love going to ALA and seeing people at these, uh, these after hour events. It's a great networking um, opportunity. Well, Melissa, really I promise is. that the next one, I will not avoid you. <laughs> you're not going to, you're not, you know what I was so excited about? She couldn't outrun me because I had her on a boat. She was on a boat. And the only way she could get away from me was jump overboard. Oh my God. That's my biggest fear is falling off the cruise ship. Oh my God. Melissa, you are brilliant. I love it. So, but, you know, I will say that, Amanda, you were, um, how do I explain it? You, Uh-oh. you, you definitely hold me to task. Um, and I absolutely appreciate that out of you. Um, you, you crossed all the I's, dotted all the T's and made sure that you got exactly what you wanted. And I, I think that makes a great partnership. I really do. Mike, and, how jealous um, are you that you haven't gotten the opportunity to work with me? I have been jealous this entire time. I got to be honest, Amanda. <laughs> what are you looking? Uh, I, I know we have a final segment. I know we need to wrap up. But what are you looking forward to the most about continuing to work in the legal industry? 
it is a very relationship oriented um, industry, more so than any industry that I've been in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, looking forward to, to meeting more people and connecting with different people and organizations uh, in legal tech. And, you know, I, I've loved the industry. I love working with attorneys and law firms and, you know, helping them be better. And so, you know, I was in medical for about 10 years and I'm looking forward to the next 15 to 20 in legal. Awesome. So uh, our final segment, we'll kind of roll into this. You guys, I've had so much fun today. The final segment is the one we call Pitch Your Passion. And I describe this as really a couple of minutes to talk about whatever you are passionate about, something you would like to tell us, and it can be personal, it can be professional, um, you know, whatever you want. And so, Mike, why don't you start us off? You know, when I think about what I'm passionate about, I think, you know, on a personal level, um, I'm passionate about my people, my family, um, my wife, my kids, my soon to be grand, you know, grandchild, you know, just very passionate about them. And when I think about what I'm passionate about professionally, uh, I've, you know, I've worked for a number of different organizations over the last uh, 25 years. And, you know, what I'm very passionate about as it relates to selling, it's, it's again, the people that, that I'm working with. It's the connections that I'm able to make. It's the, the problems that, you know, I'm able to understand and solve with, with the products that I sell. I mean, at the end of the day, sales is, it's one of those professions where, you know, it's, it's self-interested. We sell something and we get paid for it. And I learned early on that that's just not who I am. And, you know, what I had to quickly learn and how to do and, and find fulfillment in was, was helping people find solutions that make them better. All right, Melissa, how about you? I would say number one passion, like Mike, is my family. Another thing that, that I'm pretty passionate about is um, some things happening in the United States related to children and sex trafficking. And I've been involved in, in helping um, prevent some of that it happens to be um, a big industry, especially here in Atlanta with conventions. And so I'm involved helping protect young women um, and young men against against sex trafficking and um, volunteering at an organization here in Atlanta to protect children. Will you share so, the organization um, with everybody? It's called Welt Springs okay. here in Atlanta. And we um, build homes and provide counselors and um, even teachers and job training for these these children because by the time they get to us, they're so scarred that they can't necessarily go into a school system. So um, we also um, don't divulge where the, these homes are to protect the children. And we um, work really closely with law enforcement so that these these kids, when they're picked up, they're not taken to jail. They're, they're immediately called in to one of the organizations that, that helps. That's amazing. Um, Can you tell me, sorry, the name of it one more time? Wells Spring. So W-E-L-L-S? W-E-L-L-S Spring. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wells Spring. And so, um, so that's a passion of mine and we have resale stores, um, across, um, Metro Atlanta where, um, people can drop off products and it's almost like, you know, like a Goodwill store where you can go in and buy things. But, um, these homes are essential, um, for rehabilitating these minors that have been sex trafficked. So, so I'm pretty passionate about that. I know that's a, a pretty deep, serious subject. Oh, that's what we um, are looking for, for sure. That's awesome. Well, we're out of time today. So I just want to say thank you both Mike and Melissa for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. So thank you. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, just, I, I've enjoyed it so much. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode.